Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with cocktails and crooning. Woo! Yes, indeed. That was my uh, crooning. Like, that was my Frank Sinatra impression. That was some really good. It was a really good. Another impression. Yeah, another then, yes. one to add yeah. to the, I to the bag. I feel that one really captures his essence. Yeah, I was moved. I was really moved there. <laughs> like, it was beautiful. Um, thank you. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm here to please. Yeah. Age old question, Mr. T. Uh-huh. What you drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking. You ready for this? It's uh-huh. a. Tommy Knocker Maple Nut Brown Ale. Brewed a Tommy right. Knocker mm-hmm. Maple Nut Brown Ale. Yeah. Tommy Knocker's the brewery right here in Denver. Or Colorado, yep. at least. I guess it's just outside of Denver. Um, and it's brewed with maple syrup. It's delicious. <laughs> that sounds vile. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, do you have... What is it do you, not, what do is, you is it sweet? It, no, it tastes like beer with a little bit of maple in it. Yeah, maple sweet, mate. Yeah. All beer is brewed with sugar. Yeah, I know, but you know, I don't want to taste it. <laughs> I want, I want bitter, <laughs> scraping. Yeah, beer. You want something that I mean that like makes the sides of your cheeks pucker. Yep, <laughs> and to be like like that. That's what I want. Nice, Sound like Emperor Palpatine nonsense. dying. Yeah, exactly. That's the effect <laughs> that I go for. <laughs> My ales. What what bitter concoction are you drinking? Um, so in keeping with the theme of trying to keep him with the show, uh-huh. I've decided to drink. It's kind of tenuous, but I okay. think you'll appreciate it. I'm excited. A liter of soy sauce. That's not, that seems that seems like you're gonna have a heart attack after. Is it low sodium soy sauce or I the normal would. kind of? Soy yeah. Sauce? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an idiot. Okay. But the, the low sodium stuff doesn't taste as good. I know, but health or you know. Art. 
the other thing, heart, yeah. <laughs> Health or taste. It's really, really, you've put a ticking time bomb on this podcast. Let's see if Jimmy can make it to the end with his whole, can make the whole thing. Leader of soy sauce. I might, I might not finish it. I might do it for effect. <laughs> um, but what could that mean? Why, why would I be drinking soy sauce? Don't worry. I have the question with Phew. the answer. <laughs> Our God. Our quiz question last week. During its preview, an unexpected technical malfunction forced Patty Lapone to double as cleaning lady. What musical was that, Jimmy? That musical was Gypsy. here we are uh, the podcast finishes after this episode because we're done then we're done i mean this is really the height of a lot of musical theater things yes <laughs> it's just it, this is the pinnacle like this is the the musical do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Gypsy the mu- there's something and like Gypsy seems like the musical that die-hard musical people love and appreciate as a popular musical. You know? Yeah. You don't you don't hear people, you don't hear tourists in New York who go see Phantom of the Opera or Cats or Les Mis or whatever also crooning about Gypsy. But among musical theater nerds, man, Gypsy is where is that where it's at. And I think it's one of those shows as well. I think everyone has their Gypsy moment. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where they like find Gypsy and they discover Gypsy. Yeah. And they discover their Mama Rose <laughs> and they discover their uh, Louise and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, this is it. This is a great show. And it, they get what musical theatre can be. You know, I, I put this I put this later down in the notes, but I do think mm. musicals about show business specifically mm-hmm. get like an extra boost of something across their existence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and part of it is because you know that everyone who's performing in it, like, it's like they don't have to do as much character research because they're there. And exactly. This everyone, is life. Exactly. And, and so they're already kind of an expert on the topics they're talking about. And so then that lets you get into really heady, deep, subtle differences and discussions of like higher plane level thinking above the show business of it all. It's very cool and very oogie Definitely. boogie. And just... It just in terms of like characters, like mm-hmm. people will know these characters. Yeah. People have seen these characters. This is yeah. it's a timeless thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is is there a bigger, more important musical theater character than Mama Rose? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Mama Rose is musical theater. She is, and man. So what do you mean, Pone played a cleaner? Uh, I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> The you'll have to help me out on this because this was your fact, but it was it was in what is it the two thousand eight so we production yeah, of Gypsy in two thousand eight. So 
we're being cheeky, guys. We're being cheeky. <laughs> but, like, you try and make a question about Gypsy that people aren't just going to instantly get, okay? Especially a um, bunch of wonderful musical theatre nerds like y'all. Exactly. You know everything. We all know everything. Um, so we, we cheated. But it is true. <laughs> yes, it is true. But it's just true. an interesting question. Yes. Um, so apparently, um, on one of the previews of the 2008 production... Um, obviously that was the one with the massive light up rose sign mm-hmm. like we all know and love and um, the way that the um, tabs worked at the side of the stage um, when they came out they kept brushing the, the sign and sometimes uh, it would knock off bulbs <laughs> from the sign so there was, I think it was in the first preview um, that the, it happened and the, it brushed off and without like missing a beat Patty grabs a broom and just starts sweeping the glass <laughs> off the stage. And the, the curtain's up. In like the middle of the, like, in, in the character, scene. in scene, just like, in we're going to take care of this now. I'm going to start at this glass because I have a number to perform. Um, <laughs> and so she became the cleaning lady. Mm-hmm. And to, to be honest, her finest role to date. She's a woman of many talents. Absolutely. Um, so you go, Patty with a broom. Sorry if that was kind of cheeky, but... You love it, really, guys. And you, now it's you re- a fact. There you Crack go. Crack it out at your local bars. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, I bet you I know something about Patty Lapone that you don't. I know, mm-hmm. I know I play that game with people at the bar. Walk up to random that strangers. That specific game. Yeah, I walk up to people and go, I bet you I know something about Patty Lapone that you don't. Guess what, Jimmy? I always win. Yeah, exactly. All the bars that you frequent. If I did that in a bar in Glasgow, I'd get punched across the face. Wouldn't I? <laughs> I probably would, actually. I probably would. Um, so we should, yeah. before for the like three people who've never heard yep. Gypsy before, um, let's bring them in I the know. loop. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Um, so Gypsy is described as a musical fable. Yes. Interestingly. Weird um, description. I think it's a weird tagline, uh, but we'll go with it, you know. <laughs> um, and it basically, it's based on the, the story of... Uh, Gypsy Rose Lee, who was Mm -hmm. uh, a stripper or striptease artist, if Mm -hmm. I was going to be more polite. Um, (laughs) And it's based on her memoirs, uh, where she, you know, within those, she focuses a lot on her kind of like show Mm -hmm. mum, who's called Rose. And the musical kind of chronicles, much much more focused on Rose um, and the kind of birth of Gypsy, as opposed to... uh, you know, just being solely focused on Gypsy and, and you kind of see how Rose has influenced her life and also her sister's life as well, mm-hmm. um, who's called June. And do you know, actually, she's now called June Havoc. Really? She yeah, get, what a she, great name is that? Is that a stage name or does she get married? I think that's, I think that's a marriage. Huh. Um, I know, it's quite cool, eh? Havoc. I'm learning things every day. She's an oh, X-Man. She's, she's very pretty, just like her sister. She definitely is. Um, and yeah, lots of things happen along the way. But basically, within the whole show, you have this perfect character of Mama Rose, mm-hmm. um, who you see the biggest journey, terrifying moments. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's great. It's a wonderful show. And it, it chronicles like the whole, both Louise and June, we watch them grow up. We watch them go from being young vaudeville performers to older vaudeville f- performers. And along the way, we watch the death of vaudeville and like this huge yeah. entertainment shift that America went through. Um, and, th- you know, the very real literal repercussions of that as told through Mama Rose and her kids. 
Exactly, exactly. And in a similar way to, I guess, like Grand Hotel, you know, that was that took place in a time of severe change. Yeah. And with that, the characters became very desperate. Yeah. Mama Rose is kind of like that. Obviously, it's a different time period, but mm-hmm. um, it's it, she still has that same desperation yeah. of wanting to cling on to something. Yeah, um, absolutely. And keep it very real. Uh, and she finds it difficult to kind of move move with the times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, why do you think it's called a musical fable? Do you think that was just... Shinsey, do you think? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I always wonder with these. So like those sort of subtitles always to me strike as marketing more than um, art. You know, Grand Hotel, yeah. the musical, um, to let you know that like this, you're, there's going to be singing in the show and things like that. Uh-huh. I do. I would wager. Um, there, it's still done well because it, there's a double meaning already implied, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like this is this is kind of like a tale as old as time sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's lessons to be learned as you mm-hmm. get in fables, you know. Yeah, um, and it's a fable about musicality and performance, and so it's a musical fable. And like yeah. both of those, both of those play with each other in a really nice, interesting way. Um, yeah. No one, no one calls it gypsy a musical fable. People just call Absolutely it gypsy. Not. It's just gypsy. Just gypsy. I had a dream, a wonderful dream, Papa. All about June and the Orpheum circuit. Give me a chance and I know I can work it. I had a dream, just as real as can be, Papa. There I was in Mr. Orpheum's office. And he was saying to me, yourself some new orchestrations, new routines, and red velvet curtains. Get a feathered hat for the baby, photographs in front of the theater. Get an agent, and in jig time, you'll be being booked in that big time. Oh, what a dream, a wonderful dream, Papa. And all that I need is 88 bucks, Papa. That's what he said, Papa. So let's fire straight in and talk about how the show is structured. It's I. So this show, Gypsy, is chronicled as one of the best book musicals. And just as like the show itself chronicles the changing from vaudeville to a more contemporary Broadway, around the late fifties, early sixties, when this musical came out, we were also transitioning to more book musicals, more musicals with a plot, with a story tied to the music. And we talked about it with Guys and Dolls and all things like that. But Gypsy set down the structure and did it better than anyone else in so many ways. Definitely. It was was a lot more uh, really... The characters and the the plot weaved together like never before, I feel. Mm -hmm. You know yeah, I mean, they helped each other out. Um, I think a lot of book musicals previously had great, some really great stories which they told really, really well. But I think mm-hmm. for this one, it yeah. shows character development in a musical setting, yeah, like never before. And it um, seems it seems so intentional because we're breaking a bunch of the unities too. I mean, mm-hmm. most most musicals do not chronicle more than 
a couple of days, much less a year. I mean, we see characters stay the same age and deal with a really specific problem across across a day or a couple of days or maybe a week. Gypsy spans, like, what, 20, 30 years? Um, It's it's a lot of years. it's, It's huge. And so that makes making a book musical even more difficult because if you picture the whole the whole line of the story when you pull the points for mm-hmm. the plot you have a lot more events that you could make important and that you could center in on and point out and the way that gypsy does that so well is just stunning yeah absolutely so you've written in the notes <laughs> uh-huh. opening line becomes the whole show uh, yes talk so, about that there's a there's a, a truism in literature study, like actually reading books. Um, who does that? Um, that when you piece of liter- when you read a piece of literature, the first line of the book tells you everything you know, everything you need to know about the show to come, about the book to come. Jesus, mm-hmm. talking is hard. Um, it's okay. And so. Uh, and of course, I can't think of any opening lines of books. Um, it, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. There you go. That's all you need to know. Um, Last night, I dreamed of Mandalay. Yeah. Call call me Ishmael. Like, all you need to know is, in to some extent, encapsulated in the first sentence of a book. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting to apply that to musicals. Not every musical does it, because musicals are maybe a little more complex. But I think Gypsy mm-hmm. does. It's, mm-hmm. it's June and Louise singing um, Let Me Entertain You to start mm-hmm. you off the show. Let Me Entertain You. And then you overhear Mama Rose go, Sing Out Louise. And immediately, everyone's character is established, right? Yeah. You have these two performers, one struggling more than the other, and the mother who favors one more than the other and is harder on the other one, done. And that is the basic plot of the entire show in the first line. And that is the thing that the show continues to do on and on so well, is this kind of foreshadowing through character development is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is very true. It's it's a very smart uh, and if, just a really effective way of delivering the story. And I think one of the things that makes the book so successful mm-hmm. is the characters are so clear cut. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're very deep, but they're very clear cut. There's they're no... Very, they don't waste pandering. time. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely they're- not. You know exactly who Baby June is. You know exactly who Louise is. Yeah. Um, and from the the get-go, from that shouting over everyone yep. and being bullish, like, there's Mama Rose. We've already tackled the exposition in, you know, yep. maybe seven, eight measures of music. Done. And we can get right totally. on to the conflict. Totally. And it's in that kind of setting that even, even nowadays we still recognize mm-hmm. as that, like, not child exploitation, but child exploitation <laughs> where, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like moms are pushing their kids to do mm-hmm. stupid things yep. for, no, for no reason other than to please themselves. We know exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. It's, it's really, really, really well great. done. And I think, um, so I, I used to think about this musical as like, it's, it is only the necessities. Nothing is extra in this musical. Um, uh-huh. And I used to think, that the one exception to that was the the cow song. 
Right. I don't get where you're getting this from. I love the cut. <laughs> I, I, it's beautiful. It's great. And I used to be in this, like, it doesn't progress. Like, we just, we're just watching them perform. And it's just another chance mm-hmm. for us to see them perform. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more interesting. And it, I, this was, it, like, I had known this musical for, you know, five, six years before I made this connection. Because I'm a little slow sometimes. Right. But the cow is Mama Rose. The cow is Mama Rose. Jimmy's making a face. Tommy Nolan. So <laughs> I'm just making a face and I'm like, what? Because I've interpreted the cow differently, but go on. What do you mean? So you, mean? you were the we're watching this cow song. It's it's a performance on vaudeville rewritten to, you know, adapt to the aging girls. You know, they're now become they're preteens. Oh, I suddenly understand exactly what you mean. Getting there. Yeah. And I thought you meant I thought you meant physically. No. But Rose As wrote yeah, but yeah. Rose wrote the piece. Rose mm-hmm. wrote the piece for her daughters and everyone else. And it's about a girl who wants to go to Broadway and embrace the show business, but comes from this farm where she's in love with this cow. And she gets on this train and is ready to leave, but is like, no, wait, I have to go and be in love with the cow. And exactly. I love this cow. You know, the milk giver. Like, and this was <laughs> m- my big realization as, you know, a high schooler. Like, oh my God, there's totally a deep hidden metaphor here that I never completely understood. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that I mean, that is it's, it's really, really crucial because it's setting up exactly what's about to happen with mm-hmm. June and kind of the end of her story. Yeah. Um, and that she is, gets the train. Do you yep. know what I mean? She gets the train and the others don't. And um, she doesn't she doesn't come back for the cow. Exactly. Exactly. The cow is left alone with Louise. <laughs> See, um, I think that's really cool. And I, I never. I it never is. No, it is cool. It is very, very cool. I just also really just love Laura Benanti saying "mamo mamo." I think that's just one of my favorite things in musical theater. Mamo mamo. I love Fantastic. I love when shows do bad performance. Like, yeah, one of my favorite tropes. So great, and Laura Benanti nails it, especially because Laura Benanti, <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? It's, she can deliver a line like uh, nobody's business, even when it's mamo mamo. I have a moo cow, a new cow, a true cow named Caroline. She's an extra special friend of mine. I like everything about her fun. She likes to moo in the moonlight when the moody moon appears and when she moves in the moonlight. Gosh, it's music too. So, obviously, Gypsy's gone through a lot of different turns. Yeah. Um, the Gypsy that we see now, mm-hmm. we're thinking like Imelda, we're thinking Patty. In some mm. ways, we're thinking Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like Bernie Sanders. It, Bernie Sanders. As <laughs> My favourite mama role is, to be honest. I <laughs> had a dream! Well, I had a dream. That's Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a while since I've heard Bernie, yeah. right? We miss him. Come back, Bernie. Um, let's do a Bernie revival. Yeah, anyway, we'll call it Bring Back um, Bernie. Um, bring Back Bernie. Yeah. Yes. And, but yeah, so basically my point being mm-hmm. that basically Gypsy's taken on a different tone, a different 
feel than yeah. it started off with. So obviously it started off with Merman. It was written pretty much for Ethel. Mm-hmm. Um, she pulled the reins for that whole show pretty much. Um, and made it what it was. Like it, 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 she gave so much strength to that role. Yeah. And in turn made the show this concrete piece. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, that it is today. Um, but Ethel Merman ain't an actress. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I would challenge that uh, assumption. I would say Ethel Merman was an actress for her day, despite the role she was pegged in. I think if Ethel Merman did not have the ability to act a song, Gypsy would not be a musical we talk about today. I don't know, though. I don't know. I think she can... It, she kind of blurs the lines of acting through song and acting and... It just being Ethel, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. how much of Ethel is Mama Rose? That's true, but you know I, mean, I mean, it's it's because still like it because it was written for her. They've played to her strengths as mm-hmm. like they've played to her acting strengths, whether they're intentional acting choices or just leftover Mermanisms. You mm-hmm. know, at at that at that point, I don't care. Like, I don't care whether you're acting or whether this is just how you talk to people and you swear like a sailor because it Mm -hmm. fits the character. Yeah. We'll get get into the mamas in a bit. Let's not (laughs) not do that now. Absolutely. Um, But basically, do you know what I mean? It was a different... It was very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very... It was a musical comedy Mm -hmm. before it was... I don't know, a jawbreaker. Yeah. Jaw dropper, not jawbreaker. Not a jawbreaker. It no. might break your jaw. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know your reactions. Um, well, basically, just certain things happen along the way. So the thing that I found most crazy, one of the craziest revelations I've ever discovered, uh-huh. I told you about last week. Yeah. So, um, listeners, if you're a fan of Gypsy, um, or if you're a fan of La Casual Fall or West Side Story, um, I thoroughly recommend you go and get Arthur Lawrence's last book, um, before he passed away, called Mainly on Directing. Even if you're not a director, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's not really about directing. It's just kind of like a bitch fest. Um, <laughs> and, but a really, really juicy, juicy bitch fest from Arthur Lawrence. So Arthur Lawrence um, wrote the book and directed many productions down the mm-hmm. line. Um, so he, most importantly... Uh, directed the 2008 revival mm-hmm. when i think he was 90 mm-hmm. so let's just drop that pin in there um that he was 90 90 <laughs> years old um and he had <coughs> excuse me a revelation um that basically so when his his life partner died um gypsy was a musical that they really really cared about together mm-hmm. um and he knew that he wanted to do it again and his partner really, really pushed for him to do it again, but mm-hmm. you know, do it right. Yeah. Not just recycle something. You know, really think about it. Do it right. Um, and he really took that to heart. So, his revelation was that he should approach it, approach directing it, like he would direct a play. He's directed many plays. He's a fantastic director. There's no denying that. Absolutely. But here he was, in the end of his life realizing hmm do you know what might work because if you direct a musical like you would direct a play maybe we'll get something more out of it and that blew my mind it's when you told me that it blew my mind too because i couldn't in my i couldn't manufacture the difference between the two you know but i think you can i think you can because you'll have been in those shows yeah you'll have been in those shows where it's like 
Tits and teeth, guys. Tits and teeth. Yeah, maybe Get I'm dancing right. I'm fortunate Let's to have no a bunch bash. of competent directors in my life. But yeah, yeah. There, there is this stereotype of directing musical theater that's like face forward, smile big, kick high, sing the notes. Sing out, Louise. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's of that time. It's of the time when he started. Yeah. So completely fair that, <clears throat> excuse me, he would view musical theater yeah. completely differently to w- the way you know, a lot of contemporary directors would approach it. Exactly. Um, but I just find that absolutely... Because to me, he is... Gyp- like, they're synonymous. Arthur Lawrence and Gypsy yeah. are the same thing. So how could he not realise this? Right. Anyway, um, he, pr- he did a couple of different things for the 2008 production, which I think have now influenced it, to, that we'll never see it a different way. Oh, for sure. Do you know, We'll see different interpretations, but it will never be approached yeah. differently. No, it is yeah. a new milestone in the production of Gypsy. Exactly. So, I mean, even just simple things, like he sat down with the, the chorus, um, whether that was like the the boys at the start or the, the country men or state men. What, they're, they're named after states, aren't they? Um, Tulsa. That's that's not a state. That's a city. I'm so, just enjoying you, you unpacking this. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, <laughs> and he sat over there and like they, they went over characterization mm-hmm. so that they could, you know, be distinguishable. Yeah. Um, like what a novel these, concept. I know that. Oh, the character, the chorus can have character. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and actually, anyone out there who is in the chorus of a musical and your director doesn't do anything about character with you, pull them up on it because yeah. or they're just wrong. Do it yourself. No, pull them up on it because other people won't do it themselves. Fine. And that pull them annoys up me. <laughs> exactly. Pull them up on it. Um, and uh, he took June and Louise, and he got them together, and they, they thought about well, what does. Um, if Mama got married, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of were like, well, this is kind of them realising, hey, we're, we're sisters. We've not really had a chance to talk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And work out how we feel about Mum. But let's do it. And that's, you know, it comes into this really juicy kind of a little bitch fest itself. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, and you see this beautiful, heartwarming relationship kind of for the first time, as opposed to, here's some juicy harmonies for you. Right. We're just going to cool. sing, we happen to be sisters, but we're not going to talk mm-hmm. about that in the show. Exactly. And then, so he, he wrote that one of the, the hardest ones he kind of um, approached, because his, his rule was, if he couldn't find justification for them, if he couldn't find a way to narrate them and fit them into the story, uh-huh. he would have to cut them. Wow. Um, and I know. So when he came to, um, uh, you got to get a gimmick. That's uh-huh. a little shimmy there. That's, it was a That's great shimmy. Gimmick. Thank you. Um, when he came to go, you got to get a gimmick. It was like, no, that that is just pure entertainment. Like mm-hmm. that's what that is. Um, it was, but he was like, it's the the number. Everyone comes to Gypsy, yeah, waiting you, to hear. You can't cut that you number. You got to get a gimmick. Exactly. So he was in this proper quandary. Um, and then I can't remember how he got the epiphany. Read the book to find out. Um, <laughs> but he had an epiphany. And uh, basically was like, well, what we'll do, instead of just doing it as normal where, you know, Mazeppa would come to the front of the stage and sing out to the audience, um, how about we just turn it and Mazeppa sings to Louise? Yeah. And it was like, instantly, it was a story. Instantly, they were teaching Louise as opposed to just singing this song. And I'm like, oh, claps for Arthur Lawrence. Good for it. Been directing yes. for most, you know, decades. What a exactly. revelation. Exactly. Um, and it was like, and suddenly he was like, it just felt so much stronger. And Mazeppa, you know, became more of a leader suddenly. And, you know, she, her character mm. got fleshed out. Yeah. Um, 
and then obviously Rose's turn came, which we'll talk about when we talk about the mamas. Yeah. Um, but just all of these things, I'm like, isn't that fascinating? It's absolutely that- fascinating. And the fact that, you know, he wrote it. Mm. He wrote this show. Exactly. He worked on its inception. And if if you ever have someone bitching about, well, did the author intend that, you are now more than welcome to say, it doesn't matter because we figured it out now. Because exactly. if Arthur Lawrence, however many years later, can figure out what he meant when he wrote the book of Gypsy, hmm. then you can add some meaning too. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think that's it is, it is a good lesson to learn in that, you know, there's never a definitive way to approach a production. Yeah, absolutely. Never. Yeah. Um, you know, do do what works for your story, the story that you want to tell. And the story that he wanted to tell was something much more story based and in you bloody nailed it with 2008. Yeah, really absolutely. nailed it. And, and twen- you know, 2015 came along and uh, it was also yeah, well, nailed. As we've been saying, we'll get there. But man, oh, we're gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, do you think the question I've posed there is: Do you think that we could ever go back to the Mazeppa coming to the front of the stage? You know, the happy mama, the um, like the the performative kind of yeah musical theater world i i mean the musical comedy gypsy i don't it would people would infer meaning into it that Mm -hmm. either wouldn't be there or if it was there then we're not being honest about just going back to this performative you know tits and teeth what land Mm -hmm. like i would say shows like chicago you know play up on that kind of presentational style. Like all the numbers in Chicago are straight up to the audience, smile big, give them the razzle dazzle. But it's, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, there's something behind this. And we're telling you that like, this is a, a, a way to deceive people through this kind of showbiz. And I think that kind of production of, of Gypsy nowadays, if they go the, if they were to go the very clear cut, like we're just performing this, people would infer mm-hmm. some kind of deeper meaning, either intentional or not. Um, I, th- mm-hmm. I think I would wager as a society, we've progressed to become a uh, group of art consumers who are trained to look for those implied meanings. And y- you just can't tell people that you don't mean anything else anymore. Yeah. People are always trying to look under your text and see what you're hiding underneath there, whether you intend it or not. And so then you might as well intend it. You might as well take advantage of that and have some deeper meaning, have a fleshed out story, treat it more like a play. It's just more three dimensional that way. It's just more interesting that way. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. I think audiences approach theater now expecting they do they expect that and when they don't get that and it's very obvious when they don't get that and yeah there are plenty of shows that still go on broadway yeah. today that are as superficial as yeah. a 1950s production of gypsy exactly like, and it's and I, I i think it's not even a superficiality but even I, to an extent mm. i think it's a superficiality but even something like the fantastics which certainly has this deep-rooted you know, metaphorical language throughout it, but there's mm-hmm. n- they're not hiding any meaning there intentionally. You know, mm-hmm. it's very what you see is what you get, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't that's not popular among th- the consumer base anymore. No, you know, and not. anything goes without n- you know, anything underneath it is just no fun. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because like I feel like that's the kind of show that you know attacks the the stigma of of musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of thing that people expect. The people, the ignorant people of the world, expect of musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I feel like I always, you know, I almost want to sit them all down now and explain to them about Gypsy and how you know it can transform and you know anyone going to see. Melda recently mm. cannot deny the fact that that was yeah you know a knockout but like that was just yeah fabulous definitive. and um, different from 1959 despite yeah. having the same notes and being the same story and having the same script Gypsy in 2015 is different somehow than yeah. 1959 Gypsy yeah, completely and you can't do that without good source material absolutely you know? you so yeah it wouldn't it yeah. wouldn't have survived yeah. Whatever the boat I row, you row A duo Whatever the road I row, you row A trio And any I-O-U I you won't Oh, we all know you won't No, we all together We all take a bow Including the cow Though business is lousy and slow With Herbie's vim Louise is verb. Now all we need is someone with nerve. Together. Together. Wherever. Wherever. Together. Wherever we go. So, Tommy, you've talked about the fact that the opening line is very, very important. Mm-hmm. I'd wager to you that the opening note is very, very important. <laughs> A selection oh, of notes. Oh yeah, that why we is call the overture? Uh-huh. Do you not just think it's the best overture that exists? I mean, I love. So I don't think we've actually mentioned, but it's Julie Stein and Stephen Sondheim. Julie Stein wrote the music. Sondheim wrote the lyrics. And yeah, uh, what a great combo! What a wonderful, wonderful score! Mm-hmm. Oh, incredible! Just perfect in Stonking. every way. Yeah. Um, interesting fact. If you've got finishing the hat, you'll know this. But um, I, I hadn't realised it till I read it. But that Sandy was originally not going to do the lyrics. Yeah, because he wanted to do them both. He wanted to he, do the score as well. He infamously did not want to be pegged as a lyricist because he thought yeah. people didn't have respect for lyricists. Yeah, and it, I think it was Oscar. I think was it was like, Oscar too. Who was like, you Sandy, just do it. Ethel Merman's going to be in it. You're gonna. It's going to be great. Make a name for yourself. And yes. He was right. Thank goodness that he listened. So I'll let another lesson for us all to learn there. Yes. Listen to Oscar Listen to Oscar Hammerstein. <laughs> if he comes to you in a dream and says something, <laughs> you do it. Okay, kids? Thanks. Um, but no, just that over, like that overture stirs me. It's so rousing. It entertains me. It's so right. Ru- like just that ba 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 ba. Yeah. You, it's yeah. donking. Yeah. It's well, so good. It's so good. And it's so show business. Like it yeah. it sets the tone and it does. It makes it does what an overture overture is supposed to do. It makes you wonder like what it, what what that song going to be? What's that song going to be? And what I enjoy I notice a lot of overtures struggle to either make their different melodies distinct like mm-hmm. it's either the melodies are so distinct that they are entirely separate songs strung together yes. or it's so indistinct that you can't really tell the themes apart. No. And it just sounds all one track. Yeah. 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 But this overture is a perfect 
melding of the two. Like you can tell when we've reached a new theme or a new idea, but it doesn't feel like another movement in a great concerto. Yeah, exactly. And it just does it. It ties it all up at the end, brings it right back to the theme. Yeah. And it gets you set up. Um, I think what one of the things I really love about it now uh-huh. kind of goes back to what we're saying about the the kind of modern traditional argument is that it's so traditional. Yeah. Right. But then when you pin it with this kind of slightly darker tone mm-hmm. that you take, it becomes really it, it becomes scary almost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so strong and full on. Yeah. And it's that Mamoru's style bullish character. Yeah. Um, I, and it, it's, it's kind of like, oh, it, it kind of sets you on edge. Yeah, As absolutely. opposed to just being like, woo, hooray. Yeah. And um, it's it's a wonderful happenstance, but it mm. it sets you up with a bookended musical. Because Rose's so turn, sorry. the finale, is also just a, me- a melding of every song you've heard throughout the evening. Yeah. And... Yeah. What a great thing to do in a really important, not Megamix style way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, there's nothing worse than that good old finale uh, Megamix troll. God, it drives me nuts. You know why Joseph right. has a Megamix? Have we talked about this? No. Joseph has a Megamix because it was like 40 minutes shorter than every show on Broadway at the time because, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote it when he was 18. And so he only uh, wrote so much. And the producer's like, what do we get? People feel like they're, we can't charge people the same amount of money to see our show if it's so much shorter. I got it. Let's do the whole show again, just faster. And then people won't feel as, you know, cheaped out of their money. Oh my God. Yeah. Megamix are the worst. <laughs> Great, I'll over again. One of these days, right? <laughs> Tangent rant over. But exactly. Rose's turn, oh my god. Mm-hmm. It does it perfectly because she's going back through everything. She's traveling through time, ladies yep. and gentlemen. She is spiraling. Yeah. Lucky, you're a man who likes children. That's an important sign. Lucky, you're I'm a, a woman, woman with, with children. children. Small world. Isn't it funny? Isn't it, isn't it small and funny and fun? Right. So is Gypsy, uh-huh. as well as having the best overture the best opening to a show, uh-huh. has it got the best ending to a musical ever? I have mixed feelings about this, but in a specific way. I think Go. I think Rose's Turn is one of the best mm. last songs in all of musical theatre. Tommy, it's one of the best songs in all true. of musical theatre. That's true. Absolutely. Anyway, so I have <laughs> mixed, sorted feelings about the scene that comes after Rose's Turn. Uh-huh. And I think... If you're asking me, is this the best ending to a musical ever? I have to also include that scene. Yeah. Oh no, complete. That that's that's the thing that I'm asking about. Okay. That's. Uh-huh. I'm I'm really conflicted about it, and partially because you know they talk about it in finishing the hat a whole bunch that it is mm-hmm. uh, that they seemed conflicted about it too, and even Merman was conflicted about it. She didn't want. Yes, it, she right? didn't want to do it. She was like, absolutely not. This is my moment. I've just had yeah. my last note. It was like, for me, for me, for me. Clap, clap, clap. Something. Curtain bows. Done. Yeah. But instead, we need Louise to come out and have a like. A, oh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. I forgive you, Mama. And uh, <sighs> done well. 
it's very moving. Mm-hmm. Done well, it seems like a, a mother coming to terms with her grown-up daughter and that she did do it for her. Mm-hmm. Done poorly, it seems like a cop-out so we don't leave the audience feeling in a lurch. Right. Like, it seems like a very 1950s choice. Mm-hmm. I, the, the reason... Are you, are you done? I'm done, yes. That was, that sounds so cheeky. Are you done? <laughs> are you quite? That is, that is the completion of my thought, yes. Excellent. Um, from now on, I'd like you to say period at the end of all of your sentences. <laughs> so I know when you're fully done. Um, so the reason that I think it's incredible is mm-hmm. pretty much for the reason that you said it's not. Okay. Basically, it, it's... It's, I've never seen a piece of text, right, beyond, like, the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a total um, <laughs> exaggeration. But, like, that's so open to interpretation. Yeah. Every single production is different. That's true. And interprets it so wildly differently. It's not even like, oh, you're on this camp, you're on this camp. Mm-hmm. There's, like... It's it's like one of those like choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How are we gonna play this? How are we gonna play it? And it just depends on how you've played everything else before. Yeah. Um and I would agree with you. I think some of the productions didn't really get it right. Yeah. Um, but I think some of them nailed it to the point where I was just destroyed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like just destroyed. Um and for that I'm like that to me as a I don't know, as a director, that fascinates me. Uh-huh. Because I'm, anything that's open to interpretation. Yeah. As successfully as that, yeah, is astounding. Like that's difficult to do. Yeah, and I'm sure it was a fluke. Yeah, it, it seems like the it seems like it was an accidental addition based on audience feedback. It seems yeah. like someone was like, "We can't leave them on this unhappy ending." It's 1959. People won't come yeah. to see our show. We need a happy ending. Exactly. But the fact that now it's turned into a sad ending. Yeah. It's great, like, and now that that's what the audience want. <laughs> right. I mean, they want to go and they want to be ruined at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I how think, exciting is that? I think one of my big struggles with it is the whole, mm. um, and I, it's in, it's not even in Finishing the Hat. It's in my Joe Melzinger book, who's a person you've never heard of. We've um, all got them. We've all got, I've got four Joe Melzingers. <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe, it might be Melzinger. I've never actually heard it pronounced. Joe Melzinger is a scenic designer. Um, he did the original Gypsy. He did the original Guys and Dolls. He did the original Glass Menagerie. And there's excellent. a beautiful coffee table book, if you can get your hands on it, filled with his renderings of right? like what the scenes will look like. I'll see if I can pull the Gypsy one to put in the show notes, because it's uh-huh. beautiful. But it if is... If not, we can put a link to the book. And yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's a... It's the beautiful rendering, and it is Ethel Merman, because I knew it was going to be her, standing on the stage near the end, and like the artifice of the show is dropping away and you're seeing like the swags of curtain and the sandbags and the rope. And the question is, are you seeing the swags of curtain and the sandbag and the rope of the implied theater inside the story? Or are you seeing the swags of curtain, the sandbag and the rope of the theater you're in right now? And that, I think, is the journey that we see in a lot of ways through Rose's turn. Rose is not 
she starts the song alone in a theater, but ends the song performing for you, the audience, right now. Like, it's very clear that at the end, and of course it always ends with an ovation and tons of applause because it's written that way, and Rose responds to that. We, she breaks the fourth wall. She bows. She says, thank you. Like... All of the artifice of the show is broken away in this really wonderful way. Rose finally gets that audience she wants. Mm -hmm. And then to slam us back into the world of the play, to drop down that fourth wall again and have Louise come back in and say anything is a like, I think it's a struggle to ask your audience to come all the way out to this like metaphorical reach of Rose's turn and then mm-hmm. to ask them to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. So, well, to me, that's where 2008 nailed it. Yeah. What they did with 2008, again, another one of these uh, choices of Lawrence. Um, basically, what he did, it played out exactly as you said, you had the ovation. Um and he told Patty to let the applause continue, continue until it stops, because it will obviously stop. Right. And she wasn't to stop bowing. Wow. She, would, she was to keep bowing and praising and thank you and thank you in dead silence. And it got to the stage uh-huh. where the audience felt awkward as hell because mm-hmm. they're watching this woman who is completely deluded. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And is pl- and she's had this whole number, all of these lights, yeah. all of this flash has just all been in her head. That's And she fabulous. is in this empty stage. Yeah. And then out, out walks Laura Bonanzi. Yeah. That's great. With a slow, sarcastic clap, being like, well, what a great show, Mama. Yeah. And th- again, I do think to the night ends it perfectly as she just storms off at the end. Yeah. And it's like, this is it. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it gives me so, chills just thinking about it's it. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. Um, But you're like, how how interesting is that though, that you can have it end and, you know, mum comes out and, uh, sorry, the, um, Louise comes out and it's like, great. And they make up and they walk arm in arm and, yep off into the sunset yep or you can have it that louise is like mate you are past it i do not need you yeah goodbye yeah and she's left by herself oh it's crazy delicious all i'm sure if you look in the libretto it's all of maybe like six lines like Mm -hmm. one stage direction and a couple spoken words exactly and there's still a little little touch of comedy in there which i find i I must say i do find that a little bit challenging because i'm like that is that's an uh uh a fossil not a fossil is that no that's not uh art artifact 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 okay not fossil uh, <laughs> that's a fossil left over no no <laughs> no jimmy that's an artifact that's an artifact left over from the original when it was a comic speech right do you know what i mean it was supposed to be funny with i look better in this than yeah. you do kind of thing exactly um, and it becomes that kind of like awkward like oh cringy yeah. You're stop it, mama. Right. Stop it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to play this anymore. It's fascinating. Oh, it's so poetry magic. Ah, oh, it's wonderful. And it can be different every show. It can be different, like every performance. Exactly. Like, exactly. What's going to happen next? Yeah. Maybe, you know, they'll start making out. <laughs> Somehow I doubt that. Could be. <laughs> Who knows? 
Um, yeah, probably not. But if, if, if there were any directors concerning that, maybe a mistake. <laughs> if Mama was married, we'd live in a house as private as private can be. Just Mama, three ducks, five canaries, a mouse, two monkeys, one father, six turtles, and me. If Mama was married. If Mama was married, I'd jump in the air and give all my toe shoes to you. I'd get all these hair ribbons out of my hair, and once and for all, I'd get Mama out too. If Mama was married. Mama, get out your white dress. You've done it before. Success, Mama. God speed and God bless. We're not keeping score. What's one more or less? Oh, Mama, say yes. Okay, let's do it. Who? <laughs> the tiding of oh, the the head. I'm just going to think of like some um like fate music. Like, what's the, <laughs> and uh, in this corner, weighing in at 122 pounds with big curly red hair, it's Bernadette Peters. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of corners in this wrestling ring. Yeah, um, exactly. This is a wrestling pentagon. The, um, the, the heading of this section in our pre-show notes is Battle of the Mamas. Which has to be some like that has to exist somewhere. Do you know what I mean? That's that's a good title for it, something. It has to. I mean, you say that and like it has to exist somewhere. You know where it should exist. I should make it, but I don't think I'm ever gonna make this video. No, exactly. This is it. This is the miscast that you've all been waiting for, guys. <laughs> it's happening right here, right now. Buckle up. Him to do it. You're Buckle welcome. up. Okay. All right. Um, should we, we should get all the players out of the way first, right? Exactly. In the blue corner. <laughs> Are there enough col- colors to name all these people out there? I, In the blue corner. I think this would be a fun, like, Broadway con uh, party game is, like, how many Mama Roses can you name? And, like, certainly people could knock them all out, but I, I think it's a good it's a good <laughs> establishment of your musical theater nerddom if you can name all, yeah. what, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. seven, eight famous yeah. Mama Roses. It's definitely a, a sparkle quiz in the making. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least. Um, in the blue corner, we have... Can you put some effects on this? Sure. It'll be nice and echoey. Excellent. And some ba- uh, like uh, crowd noise? Yeah. Just making you work hard. <laughs> It'll be, or it's just going to be me going like, yay! That's not as fun. <laughs> anyway. um, in the blue corner, we have Ethel Merman. Can you do an impression of each person? <laughs> no, I will fucking not! <laughs> Stunning! Okay. And in the red corner, we have Rosalind Russell. I don't know what makes... She doesn't have... She doesn't... <laughs> yeah, it's that's, like, that's perfect. What? <laughs> Rosalind Russell. Um, Harvey Fashion as well is there. Um, Harvey Firestein. Can't wait for Harvey Firestein to play Mama Rose. Uh, That's that's it. He wins. He's the best. (laughs) Exactly. Show over. Um, In the um, green corner, (laughs) we have the one and only Angela Lansbury. I don't know about you listeners, but I'm excited to just hear Jimmy run out of colors. Yeah. (laughs) In the mauve corner, (laughs) we have... Time daily. She hits folks with her ukulele. It's hard to rhyme daily. That's true. 
Um, in the ginger corner, <laughs> we have Bernadette Peters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to pause just for a second and uh-huh. talk about how I need to do this as a career. Yeah, just announce things. Um, my voice is perfect for this. That's true. Who knew? You should. This who is. Knew? They should do this during Broadway shows. Whenever someone famous comes out, you should just announce who they are. Exactly. Kind of like X Factor or yeah. B- um, American Idol that or kind of thing. professional wrestling yeah I'm maybe going to slam this down the tape and send it to some people um, <laughs> in the silver corner <laughs> there's no relevance to that Bette Midler <laughs> in the perfect corner no bias it's Patty LaPaul <laughs> That's not a color. Perfect's not a color. It could be a color. She would make it a color. She would. She would make it a color. <laughs> um, and in the British corner, <laughs> it's Imelda Staunton. Now, I think that's an unfair assessment of just Imelda because Angela also started on the West End in Gypsy. I know, but Angela's American, isn't she? Uh, she has dual citizenship. Um, okay, right. Oh, because um, she's Dame Angela Lansbury. She's been yes, knighted. I know, but she she's a she she doesn't live here. She, she's American. She like moved when she was like seven or something. Right, Imelda stayed. Lansbury was born to a middle class family in central London. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not denying her heritage, but I'm saying. <laughs> And current residence in the UK is Imelda Staunton, this therefore is, she's this British. Is true. I think Imelda Staunton is more British than Angela Lansbury is. Yes, that was my point. Anyway, <laughs> shot all over that, didn't you? Um, anyway, that took a long time. Yeah, Ethel Merman, Rosalind Russell, Angela Lansbury, Tyne Daly, Bernadette Peters, Bette Midler, Patty Lapone, Imelda Staunton. You can make uh, your own acronym, acronym to help you remember them, like remembering the planets. Exactly. There's there's three vowels in there, so you could probably make a decent word. I'm yeah. going to do it right now, but you could do it. Anyway, um, right. Should we do it in order? Uh, to talk about them? Yeah, because I know normally with your miscast, you do it like... Do you understand that reference? That nope. musical reference I just played for you? That's the Brit- UK Top 40 countdown. That's a do thing you, you that? made up that doesn't exist? You're trying uh, to pull the I... wool over my eyes? I'm not. The Brits out there might not know because it thinks quite an old reference. I don't know if they still do that. That was when that was when you know there was a chart that you would hear on a radio. Do you know why it, the top forty number is, one? The top forty is forty songs. Um, because it's how you could long you could fit. No, I don't know. Because you could fit forty single records into one jukebox. Cool. And so that they would have the top forty in the jukebox. I love that. That's a great. Uh, fact. Isn't that great? Guys, guys, you can make a whole pub quiz during this podcast. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? God. Ethel, and I'll it. Ethel anyway. Merman was the first gypsy. The first she was. Mama Rose. The show is written for her unequivocally. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it will always be her show in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Definitely. But I think it's it's hard with Merman because she's synonymous with so many roles. Yeah, I would say you know she's I mean? more synonymous with this role than any other role. Like yeah. I, I don't I don't as closely associate her with Annie Oakley. Say, oh, but who else is Annie Oakley? Uh, Bernadette Peters did a pretty good job. Um, I don't know. I just I get I just a sill. Yeah, a soul. 
that's yeah. just that's all I hear whenever <laughs> <laughs> you know like no business like show but that's Ethel Merman that singing is, that song that is Ethel Merman there are, there are um, so many songs are just written for Ethel Merman that exactly it's hard it is it is a difficult baseline to match yeah yeah um so she wasn't the easiest to work with <laughs> but that was just Ethel yeah do you know what I mean um and she, she like like was kind of said before she pu- she pulled a lot of the strings in this production yeah to make it what it it it, it kind of became at that time yeah absolutely um, you know she had trouble working with Jerome Robbins because mm-hmm. um, she's not a dancer she's not a dancer she's as we <coughs> mentioned only kind of an actress and Jer- yeah uh, Jerome Robbins <laughs> is a perfectionist yeah do you know what i mean we've, again we've talked about him before yeah uh so can you imagine the t- the pair of, oh my god yeah imagine the pair of them in a room together i'm imagining the pair of them in a room and young stephen sondheim just watching just being like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but like getting so much fodder for all of his shows he's just like yeah ah, yes like, ah, yes this, is this will be <laughs> but like that's that's the thing is like mama rose was a real person and I, it is hard for me to differentiate what is the real person and what is Ethel Merman, you know? Yeah. So much of the character well, comes from Ethel. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though. Like, I, I know you say she's a, a decent enough actress, but I, I just don't think she is. Like, I don't think she has those instincts to go away and, you know, to speak to uh, the real Gypsy Rose Lee. Oh, absolutely. About her mother and find out about idiosyncrasies. She's not going to do any of that. No. Like, because she's Ethel and she knows that she can sell it. And the thing is, is that's so true. Yeah. Like, she is Ethel and she can sell it. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's all instinctual when it comes to her. Mm-hmm. Like, none, none of it is pre-rehearsed sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Like, she, I'm sure rehearsals were very fast and, like, of course they wouldn't do table reads. Ethel Merman doesn't need yeah. to do a table read. Exactly. I'll do it on the night. Right, exactly. <laughs> You know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ethel, Ethel, like, the original, very good, very good, hard to match of her time, very much. Exactly, of her t- of that of the entertainment era. Yeah, she was the best. Yes, absolutely. We'll give her that. Yeah, and she'll be happy enough. You with can that. hear in that's the, what she wanted to do here in the cheap seats the and the alley behind the theater without a microphone. Exactly. And you can hear her from seven alleys down the street. <laughs> She's that. There's a, have you seen, I don't know what live benefit it is, but Ethel Merman like walks down the street with an umbrella into uh, Sardi's, I think it is, to sing some cabaret right. songs to promote something. Um, and it must be the 70s. And she sits in front of a microphone and she goes, you may wondering, you may be wondering why I have a microphone. Well, this is so they can hear me on the West Coast. <laughs> Uh, it's unlike her to be that funny. Uh, <laughs> it is absolutely like her to be I that funny. I'm so mean to Ethel Merman. She's fabulous. So she exactly. would she would punch you out if she heard how yeah, mean you're being. I would be dead. I would be dead. <laughs> but I'm safe. No, Ethel Merman. Like, yeah, I'm not an Ethel Merman hater. Yeah, you know, she does her thing extremely well. She does do her thing very well, and she does real thing. disco okay. <gasps> oh, great excuse to bring some of that back. <laughs> <laughs> Check um, the show notes there, for Ethel Merman Disco. Is there a disco version of Rose's Turn? Uh, there's a disco version of Everyone's Coming Up Roses. Everything's Coming Up Roses. Okay. You'll be swell. It's wonderful. 
I just like imagine her in an afro with like lame sleeves, um, hanging down, just doing her thing. That's wonderful. I know that wouldn't have happened. That's, but no, that's pretty that's much what it's like. And she's also covered in sequins. There's a video. It's great. Oh, what a dream, guys! These are the best shows. <laughs> Here she is, boys. Here she is, world. Here's Rose. Okay, so that was Ethel. Then Rosalind Russell, who we don't need to Rosalind spend Russell. too much time on. You didn't know. Right. You didn't put her on the list to start with. No, because well, I originally wasn't going to include the films, but and you, it was like, yeah, we can't not include Bet. We got to do Bet, and if we do Bet, we got to talk about Rosalind. Exactly. So, I mean, she's fine, but she's not Ethel. She's fine, but she's not and Ethel, and it's contemporaneous, it's, so they should have just done Ethel, right? And also, it's just like it's it's all that kind of entertainment gypsy so there's absolutely nothing to her performance like it right. ends in two seconds yeah it ends in I two feel. seconds i mean and famously rosin russell and natalie wood who played louise did uh, not get along at shocker all. natalie we didn't get on with someone <laughs> Jesus um which i um, you can see in the production Absolutely. Like, there's nothing there. Like, it's, it's so frustrating. Like, at the end of Rose's turn, you want to be exhausted, you want to or you want to be feeling great, right? right? You wanna... That conversation just negates everything that she just sang. Yeah, and then they just gallop into the sunset. Exactly. She does have an interesting, idiosyncratic voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she's a great comic actor cool. in the same way that uh-huh. Ethel Merman yes. is. Um, maybe like, I maybe we could say that Rosalind Russell did the best have an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone. I bet you, I, you know, that's probably a very good assessment. Um, we like she, that. she gets the comedy of that 100%. You know, she also, she has that hard edge to her, I think. Um, but just can't sing it as well. She sings it okay. No. But. And it's just, I just, I don't think she has the show, I don't think she has the show mum vibe. No. no. That the rest, like that kind of like blinkered vision vibe. Yeah. She's, she's, she's much more the, the classy pampered, um, mame than she is yeah she's mame yeah exactly yeah exactly that good good observation um so we'll move swiftly on from her we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. <laughs> Curtain up! Light the lights! Play it, boys! Now we've got Spangela Mansbury. Uh, near and dear to my heart. Yes, your um, fave, your uh, dearest one. Wonderful, fabulous human being. Surprisingly, and this I only recently learned, um, uh-huh. not not the original choice for the West End. You know who they were going to choose? Oh. Elaine hey. Stritch. No. Yeah. They originally, that was a good Elaine Stritch. And you just got <laughs> to like, be more drunk. Um, I'd be deeper as well, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh that's weird. Yeah, so n- this <laughs> but, is the 1973 West End, uh-huh. and they like they were publishing that Elaine Stritch was going to be in it and just weren't getting the sales, and so I can't find any, and it's, n- I wish 
Elaine talked about it in her um, uh, in her show in her show, and she doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I want to know how they broke the news to Elaine Stritch, being like, "Sorry, we're going to go with Angela Lansbury instead." God, can you imagine? Yeah, especially because Angela was still quite timid. Yeah, it, this. Do you know, I mean, she wasn't, you know, confident Angela yet. Absolutely, she was um, still very young, Angela Lansbury. Yeah, um, I would be terrified of Elaine Stritch. Yeah. No. Ah, but what would it have been like if Elaine Stritch was in it? Yeah. I don't know if Elaine Stritch has... A, I don't know if I've ever heard a recording of her do Rose's Turn or Coming Up Roses. No. Does she have... Could she even? I mean... Because I feel like... I don't know. She gets away with a lot, Elaine Stritch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because she acts it so well. Yeah. And the, it's, it's a, there's a lot of power. Yeah. But you, I, I don't... I just feel like... She has so much... And the thing is as well, though, with um, with Mama Rose, uh-huh. you know, you can't have Elaine Stretch going like, you'll never get away from me. That's the thing you know I wonder. I mean? Is like, could they bring it down to her octave at all? Or is that even a lost cause? <laughs> exactly. Like, Herbie, you'll take the soprano line. Elaine, right, you exactly. on you're going to like, the bass. Um, yeah. So yeah, could have could have been Elaine Stritch, but instead we get the wonderful Angela Lansbury, who we gets Angela Lansbury. Yes. I think this. I think she does it well, but it's not her role. Um, it's not. Yeah, it's not her. Um, I, I do enjoy her um, when she hosted the Tony Awards around that time, and mm-hmm. she opens with "You'll be swell, you'll be great," and there's this beautiful moment right after she finishes the number where everyone's applauding and stands up, and she reaches that overwhelmed actress moment where mm-hmm. like th- th- you're you you are so taken aback by the applause you're getting and then are suddenly slammed into reality about like all these people are here to see me and i just yeah. did the thing so well that now i feel this and it's just wonderful her d- just how humble she is I when know. she reacts to it like i do love that and enjoy that yeah I think that's that. I think she was just always too nice for the role. Yeah. Her, um, you know? there's surviving bootleg of her in, uh, wherever we go. And <gasps> she does really? that very, very well. Like that's, oh. that's her number in this show. Like the kind of chippy, like, does, you know, despite the snow, we're going to make it through. Like that's very Angela Lansbury. Yeah. I think that's it. It's like, she could do everything coming up. Everything's coming up. Roses really well. Yeah. But just like without the letter bit before it, just as a nice right. happy song. Just nice. Like, like, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Which is uh, how if she, she sells would the do, song. She would do the sexy, um, you'll never get away from yeah. me. I think do that really, really. I think well. she could do that. I'd well. love to see her perform that. Yeah, I think um, I don't think she can get angry enough for my taste for um, Rose's turn. No, I never listened to her Rose's turn. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's not. I'm so it's, sorry, it's, but it's it's not it's fine, but it's not because there are so many options out there. We have other exactly. choices. I know, I know. But so let's say she can get the best. Um, um, wherever we go, whatever that yeah. song is actually called. Together wherever we go, yeah. Together wherever we go, which is so good. The lyrics. It's such good song. lyrics. It's a great act two opener. Like, oh, we great. got it, or you ain't. And boys, I got it. You like it? Well, I got it. Next up, Tyne Daly. Teen Daly. <laughs> How do you feel um, about Tyne Daly? I. She's the last one I ever listened to. Okay. Um, and I was just like, I, I think I was just numb with everyone else. Yeah. 
So she just she kind of sits in the middle. Yeah, I I think for her for her time, she is one of the closest to Ethel Merman. Right. Like, Tyne Daly seems like a slightly more contemporary Ethel Merman. The end of what you were talking about, that kind of early gypsy interpretation. Mm-hmm. Before we've hit the sea change, um, and it starts coming into that more like a play, more dramatic, more sad. Um, yeah. Like, kind of that... And maybe in a weird in-between place? I don't know. I think it is an in-between, because she's not as... She does have depth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm not, I normally have not really seen much of her. There's not much that exists uh, as far as I know. And it was touring much more than it was on Broadway, I believe. When are we talking? Is this 89? This is the 90s. Eight, yeah. Um, 1890s. Yeah. Um, it's like, and I feel as well with Rose, like, because it's a part that I know so well. Mm-hmm. I need to see the I need to see the small things now. Exactly. There's it's hard to differentiate because it's you know w- across all the different things it's hard to find the tiny differences yeah. without a lot of content. Yeah. Um but she did win the Tony. She did win the Tony. Um and uh I don't remember where I was reading this. I think it was Sam No, it must have been when Arthur Lawrence came back after mm-hmm. the Sam Mendes production into the string of things and called the Tyne Daly the most definitive performance up to that point. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. That's overlooking Bernadette and then Bette's movie. Oh, wait. So, wait, he didn't say after Tyne Daly, did it? He said, when did he say it? I think he I said, said. I, I think he said it before he did the 2008 one. Oh, and I hope I'm not misquoting here. Um, mm-hmm. But that he called the Tyne Daly performance... The most, the the one he was looking to the most of that time. Uh huh. Well, I know he was down on Bernie's one. Yeah, but I think there are other reasons for that. I think there's I other reasons for Arthur that Lawrence too. Arthur Lawrence is necessarily the best voice. No, to listen to. no. Yeah, unfortunately, the book <laughs> writer is not the <laughs> yeah not the carrier Shockingly, of the torch. The one that he directed, he was like, that was the best one. Yeah, I'm about to direct another one. That will probably be the best as well. Um, shocking, that isn't it? Yeah. Oh, here it is. Mm. Lapone recount. So this is via Patty Lapone. Okay. Lapone recounted in her memoirs when Lawrence began directing the 2008 revival, he based uh-huh. his direction initially on the 1989 revival. Quote. Because I think that in Arthur's mind, the Tyne Daly Gypsy had been the last successful production. And this Directed is by Arthur Lawrence. Exactly. And this is perhaps before um, they he'd started looking, you know, as it more as a play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, he probably had that up his sleeve, like you saw me then, look at me now. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so, yeah, Time Daily, fine. I'd like to hear someone out there who's a massive Time Daily stan because yeah. I want to know what it is about her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I know people that are, like, Angela's the best. Yeah. And I get why they say it. Um, And I know people that are like, Ethel, you can't look anywhere else. Right. Um, And, Bar- you know, there's somewhere everyone. I've never met a Time Daily. I've never met a Time Daily either. And I don't think there's any particular reason for that. She didn't do it poorly. Um, yeah. But there's not, you know not a lot of people are voting for her yeah exactly so let's find out there'll be one of <laughs> someone out there well, definitely let's know. Um, i look forward to finding out why yeah some people got it and make it pay some people can't even give it away this people's got it and this people's spreading it around 
Okay, we're now in the ginger corner. Oh, Bernadette Peters. Bernie! <laughs> As everyone likes to. Uh, What's your Bernie impression? Uh, your cliched Bernie impression. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you gotta you gotta shake the tatas. And, and hold the purse of rise when she does exactly uh, the, um, oh, yeah, exactly. the is up. <laughs> with the with the Donald Trump mouth. Um, exactly. Um so that was Bernie. Yeah. Um <laughs> no, This I didn't realize this was a Sam Mendes original. One of one of Sam Mendes's many musicals <laughs> that he had directed. Uh-huh. Um <clears throat> it's always interesting because I, I, I never think of Sam Mendes as a theater director and I know that's stupid. Right. Because he's but, great and has done extremely amazing things. But I just think of him for cinema. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and I, it's this 2003 version doesn't do it for me. No. No, I had, so I had this discussion the other night. Sorry, I spoiled to some people that were doing Gypsy. Um, <laughs> How dare you? No. I know, I ruined everything. But um, yeah, who big, big fans of Bernie and saying Bernie's the best. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I, I, get, I get why people say it. Yeah. Because again, she was she. This was one of the first ones that wasn't right. This was a much darker gypsy, and Sam Mendes is on record saying he wanted someone who was more like the original Rose, actual Rose, exactly. And Bernadette is similar to her, both in body type and personality, apparently. Uh huh. And that's that. It's the body type thing, and because she was, she wasn't a. she wasn't Ethel Merman. Right. Um, she was a, a small woman. I don't know. I think Bernie's too young. Yeah. I think she's too young and she doesn't know how to play the old, you know, she was the, she was hot stuff in 2003. Not that she's not hot stuff now, but. Oh, she's hot stuff now. Woo! <laughs> oh man. When I saw her live, that was, so, have, we, have I talked about this before? Uh, I don't know if it made the cut. On the potty? But. Well. Jimmy. going to make it now. Jimmy might be going hetero for Bernie. Oh, I am a hundred percent hetero for Bernie Sanders. No, Bernie <laughs> uh, Pierce. The, like it was so sexy. Basically, I, I won't make it too long. But basically, she did a um, performance of Fever. Mm-hmm. Fever. Yeah. Um, and she like climbed on a piano in this like sexy dress, and there was nothing wrong with it at all. Yeah. It was great. See, um, and so I think sexy. so. I'd like to see her do it now. That's. I think that's the problem, though. She's sexy and. The point is that Louise is sexier than her mother. Uh-huh. And that's the thing she has that her mother didn't give her. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I think there's something... So- and not that Mama Rose is unsexy. Certainly she's beautiful. Uh-huh. But there's, you know, Mama Rose is not a stripper. And exactly. It's when she turns it on at the end, it should feel a bit like, oh, that's a mom doing... You know what I mean? It's when right. her mom's had too much to drink and she starts you exactly. Know, dancing. Exactly. Um, and like, kind of I bad. feel like Bernadette Peters could pull that off and the point is she's not supposed to be able to <clears throat> yeah yeah exactly that's a really good point yeah one of the best things that she's done was and hey mr producer which you still haven't seen no um <laughs> really really naughty um <laughs> all the listeners tell tommy to see it because i know all of you are living good in this unit um but she sings um they do gotta get a gimmick in the little sondheim section uh-huh. and she plays mazeppa she's a uh, marvelous i'm sure Mazeppa. she's a fabulous mazeppa and that's who she can be yeah. do you know what i mean like yeah. that's exactly. that's classic and also she plays a trumpet yeah done Perfect. how yeah. how bernadette does. peters um, exactly yeah. um but i think 
if you if you kind of study her Rose's Town, mm-hmm. um, it's there's lots to it, and she does bring sensitivity. Mm-hmm. She definitely does, um, and there's a there's an emotional level there that we like that we haven't seen before. Yeah, um, but she's just too. It comes from a point where she's like na- naive, innocent. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like it's like you're like oh, instead of oh, yeah. And there was a difference there. Like, it, <coughs> do you know what I mean? Sorry. I do. I do know what you mean, and it is difficult to describe. There, it's like Mama Rose is the is this worldly wise character for unspecific or like difficult to describe ways. Like there's some knowledge, something going on in the back of her that she may not even be conscious of, but she's got this passion that drives her to make these choices, which always seem to be right in the moment. Yes. And that's a really great way of putting it for, for Bernadette Peters in this role. These don't seem like conscious choices. They seem like happy accidents. Yeah. I let's 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 give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's hope that <clears throat> she switched on because she is smart. Yeah, she knows she knows how to. She really knows how to use her physicality. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's a that is something she's very good at. Um, so let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because I feel we're going to get a lot of hate because, like, you have to give her plaudits for being the first person to go out and do roles this way. Yes, absolutely. Right, so that that deserves a little applause, yeah. and it is it is part of the journey to I think where we are now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So to pave the way and to kind of strip down what people thought and knew already of Rose as Merman, mm-hmm. to kind of strip that away and be like, well, how about this? Yeah, what if it's this? Um, yeah, exactly. So like, bravo for yeah um, Sam and bravo for Bernie, yeah. and she also won a Tony, and she won so, a Tony. Like, I mean, it's a it's a Tony magnet kind of award. Exactly. Do you know who didn't win a Tony? Who? I'm Alderstone. Well, not yet. Anyway, not yet. What? No, no, sure. Um, (laughs) Hello, everybody. My name's Rose. What's yours? How do you like them egg rolls, Mr. Goldstone? Hold your hands and hallelujah. Mama's gonna show it to you. Ready or not, shh, here comes Mama. The, the Bette Midler made-for-TV movie. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to do Patty next. Uh, <laughs> no, we got Bette. I was talking about Bette. So Bette then just ruined all the hard work that Bernadette put in and yeah. made it all about being happy again. It's like, um, it's like, so... I'm so biased, but I don't care. <laughs> do, you, do you know how I feel about this, Jimmy? And this is a weird, this feel? is a weird metaphor, but I think you'll understand it. The progression from Ethel Merman to Tyne Daly to Bette Midler feels like an original triple evolution Pokemon from Pokemon Red. And then, suddenly, they release a new video game, and Imelda Staunton is now this fourth evolution of it. She's a mega evolution. She's a mega evolution. That is how I'm it feels to me in my Pokemon mind. To the podcast. <laughs> Guys, the podcast is going to be about Pokemon from now on. Yeah, I like that. That's a, I think that's great. And like, I wouldn't say so much in like the, the leveling up, becoming a better version of each one, but there is a definite mm-hmm. line between Tyne Daly and Ethel Merman, and then finally Bette Midler at the end. Them all kind of pulling yeah. on this same specific characterization of it. 
Yeah, exactly. And it is, I feel like, no, I'm, I'm not putting them down, but I feel like that's an easier interpretation to make. Yeah. It's still challenging and that it's a challenging thing. Yeah. And there's lots, there's lots to wrap your chops around, but to go down that route, you don't need to dig as yeah. deep into yourself. Yeah. I will yeah. say, the though we were just on the topic of mm-hmm. turning on the sexy during Rose's turn, I think yeah. Bette Midler does do a good job during Rose's turn of turning on the sexy in a really interesting way. I think Bette Midler uh-huh. has a very interesting sex appeal about her. Yeah. It's it's a, it's probably a gay thing. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that way we're very attracted to these extremely strong women. Yeah. And that's what she exudes. Absolutely. Like, she she does the role well. I think the traps she falls oh, into yeah. are that this is a made-for-TV movie or even just that it's on screen. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't... I appreciate that there are screen adaptations of this. I think this is a show that needs to take place in a theater with a live audience. Yeah, definitely. It's just for the end. Like, that's yeah. what Rose's turn is. Yeah. You need, you need it. Um, no, but she she's good. I also like her having egg, uh, an egg roll, Mister Goldstone. Yeah, she gets the she does. She also <laughs> has that same comedy that uh, uh, Russell does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she she's good. Is she is she my favorite of the entertainers? Yeah, probably. Really. Of those of those yeah. three, you think? Yeah, because I just don't really like that interpretation, and I feel like that's because yeah. Yeah. So okay. That's probably what I would say. I got Wade Sear and Hola Dolly though. Oh man, and she. It's gonna she's be just like, she's Winifred, and that's all she needs to be. She, yep, we got to do. We got to get Hocus Pocus two out there, folks. Everyone, email Disney. Right. You no, know, she's. You know that she's gagging for it. She was loving. Everyone. It everyone is overtly on board. Um, Kenny yeah. Ortega came out and he was like, "I've talked with everyone. We're ready. We want to just <laughs> exactly. do it. Let's do it." Um, I know. We got to do it and now. Cash in. Yeah. Like, Anyway, uh, that's, that's what Disney does. It's cashing in on. Re- uh. I know. Mama's yeah. talking loud. Mama's doing fine. Mama's getting hot. Mama's going strong. Mama's moving on. Mama's all alone. Mama doesn't care. Mama's letting loose. Mama's got the stuff. Mama's letting go. Mama's. Mama's. Mama's got the stuff. Mama's gotta move. Mama's gotta go. Mama's. Mama. Mama's gotta let go. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. If Patty Lapone, I I think if there is a role written for Patty Lapone, it is Evita from Evita. It's Evita. (laughs) (laughs) It is Reno Sweeney from Anything Goes. No, it's in that ginger wig. It's Mama. Um, it's Mama Rose. It's absolutely yeah. Mama Rose, especially this new, wonderful turn and interpretation. Exactly. No one could have done this other than Patty. Yeah, at, at its, that time, at its time, in its way. Yeah, that she was the only one. Now, lots of people can say a lot of things about Patty Lapone. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'll listen to them all, uh-huh. and I'll ignore you. Um. Like she, yes, she has her ways, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this is a situation uh-huh. where those ways work, and this is this. It kind of forgives anything else. Yes, 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that um, Merman has her idiosyncrasies and they fit in this, Lapone has her idiosyncrasies and they also fit in this. They absolutely fit in this. I like, I'd love to know if, um, uh, you know, the real Louise, the real gypsy Mm -hmm. um, ever saw that and if how much of her mother she saw in it. Yeah. I'd love to know that. Like, because. Yeah. I see I see this character this is the first time that I've seen this character as a fully realized believable terrifying woman yeah. that could 100% exist and 100% could do a lot of damage yeah. as she does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing too is that it's you you get to see Mama Rose lose with Patty Lapone. You get to see Mama Rose deal with defeat, whereas everyone else exactly. kind of just stumbles into their happiness and stumbles into their like, well, it'll be, well, it'll be better next time. Yeah, wherever we go, oh. it'll be great. But by the end, you see Mama Rose like, this is not, I did not make it. Exactly. I think, yeah, you get like with Bernie, you get tiptoes towards that. Yeah. But with Pat's, it's it's full on destruction. It's full like, on you're out there. Whacked across the face. Yeah. Laura Benanti evil yeah like everything's ruined yeah bum 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 yeah. do you know what i mean it could end like that uh and just that her rose's turn when she is in her own world mm-hmm. and is you know what i mean i'm i'm, do, I'm doing the there's lots of there's lots thing. of gesticulating going on there's hands thank you thank you in her own head mm-hmm. out stalks laura benanti yeah and it's just shat- like let's just laughing at her. She laughs at her. Yeah, it's beautiful. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's and that's sad. What I it's love. terrifying. Yeah, exactly. I love a breakdown. Yeah, any production where there's a breakdown, if it's good, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh I'm not even being articulate, and I'm annoyed because I'm not doing her justice. <laughs> well, what? Um, it's hard to, because it is such a nuanced, difficult role. It's hard uh, to point out the specifics that make it different because certainly all the way back to Ethel Merman, there's the, you know, the loud boisterousness and some of the anger underneath it too. I think if I uh-huh. like, I wonder if Ethel Merman was in this 2008 production today with the permission of contemporary musical theater, mm-hmm. how she'd do, how close she'd be to Patti Lapone's performance. You know, I wonder how much. I just know, but she. I don't think she's got the ability. You don't think so? What do you think she's missing? No, I really don't. I really don't. Acting ability. Yeah, that's true. I just think she's a confident woman. Yeah. I think she's a very confident, strong woman, um, which is fantastic. Yeah. But I think it's it, it, it doesn't know how to act it. Yeah, I th- You know, maybe you know, it's that and- Patty has that vulnerability. Uh-huh. Patty's an amazing actress. Yeah. No, like, no, I'm sorry, no one can deny that. That's like, absolutely true. If if you, you know, give her addiction, she will slay you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whether it's in Sunset Boulevard, um, Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. we know how much you love her in Sweeney Todd. Um, <laughs> even though I don't. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like, it's, it's... Yeah. She she will knock your socks off. Yeah. Um. Because she, she's a powerful woman. She's a very, very powerful woman. Absolutely. I cannot wait for War Paint. Mm. I hear mixed oh. reviews. I hear mixed reviews. I know, but just for the performances. Just for another chance to see, yeah. Exactly. Christine Patty smashing yeah. it. Oh, like, fabulous. Yeah, there's a reason Patty Lapone's name is above the title in Gypsy. Yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like, just that picture, the wig, the dress, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's mama. Yeah. Can I... Ready or not. Can I tell you, I have Mo! some... In actual inside information about Patty Lapone and Gypsy. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So, uh, Patty Lapone originally starred in Gypsy as a concert production at Ravinia, which is an outdoor music venue near where I used to live in Chicago. Okay. Um, and, like, this was before it had made it to Broadway. And one of my relations' friends um, played Herbie. And oh my gosh. in casual conversation, would refer to her as Patty, where the hell are you, Lapone? Because guess who was never there at her entrances? Wow. Aww. <laughs> she, was, she would make them wait. She would she make would them make wait. Them she bad. would make him wait out there and be like, well, guess we're going to stand here for a second to see if Patty makes it to the stage. Where could she be? Amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Is that very, you know, like, teacher, the bell does not tell you when to leave. <laughs> I tell you when to leave. The st- stage manager does not tell you when to come to stage. I tell you when to come to stage. Oh, Do man. you know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of a... Patty, Patty, where the hell are you, you pwn? Exactly. Oh, she's great. What did it get me? Scrapbooks full of me in the background. Give them love and what does it get you? What does it get you? One quick look as each of them leaves you. All your life and what does it get you? Thanks a lot and out with the garbage. They take bows and you're ground zero. Last but by no means least, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the brilliant, Imelda. the brilliant Imelda Staunton. Dolores Umbridge herself. Mm. It, is, it is a discredit color. to pigeonhole her as Dolores Umbridge. She got her start in singing in the West End. Um, do you know how many times... Oh, I know, I just, I just love Dolores Umbridge. That's, uh, that's true. She's fabulous as Dolores Umbridge. Do you know how many times yeah. I had seen that weird existing... Uh, television recording of the West End, the first West End into the woods, where it all looks like a checkerboard, and like everything is like a weird surrealist painting. No, and I'll put it in the show notes too. Maybe, yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a movie called Peter's Friends? You won't. Nope, I've seen that. You'd love it. First yeah. of all, um, it's so it's that British crowd of like Imelda, Emma Thompson, uh-huh. Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. Oh, that sounds um, beautiful. That's right up my alley. Right, exactly. Um, so it's I think um, Stephen Fry wrote it, and it's about uh, uh, a guy called Peter, and uh, he's got HIV, oh. um, and it's written at that time when you know this uh-huh. was a thing. So it was it, it, the time it was huge because 
people weren't talking about this, especially yeah. comedians yeah. that we know and love. Um, so it's a great film, but she sings in that. That was the first time I heard her sing. Wow. So this um, this clip of Into the Woods with the original London cast on some night variety show or something. Uh-huh. I've watched this hundreds of thousands of times. Probably, I had probably known about this exi- the existence of this clip for seven or eight years before I put together that that's Imelda Staunton as the baker's wife. When was this? Nine years, sorry. The, it's the first West End production. That's Daniel Radcliffe. Really? No. Playing Little Red? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I would like you to skip to 147. <laughs> Those listening along at home, that's Daniel Radcliffe. That is... Da- You've never seen this? I've not. That's crazy Absolutely to me. Not. Um, Do I like it? Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I want to see the whole show. It's weird. It's, it's weird it's and funky. Of, it's like... I feel like this is the eighties. It's very. It's, but it also it looks too too well filmed. Yeah. It's, but in terms of uh, Jack's aesthetic, he looks extremely eighties. They don't look dissimilar to what I was this Halloween. Like. I, yeah, I think this is nineteen ninety. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. That that seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen ninety. Oh, it's, it's Julia McKenzie. It's Julia McKenzie. Yeah. Huh. That's a choreography I've seen before. Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. <laughs> Stealing that. That's fascinating. Sorry. I'm amazed you've never seen this. Yeah. No, not at all. I don't remember. I don't actively seek out bootlegs. This is not a bootleg. This is... Um, I know, but, in, yes. you know, in my Absolutely. Of bootlegs, you have your blinders on. So anyway, yeah. I had seen this hundreds right. and hundreds of times Close before that. I put together that that's a very young Imelda Staunton as the baker's wife. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be roughly around the same time with Peter, Peter's friends. You should watch Peter's friends. Mm. But um, yeah, she's she's... She's talented women. Yes, is is her Imelda. So obviously, I had the pleasure and honor and everything of uh-huh. seeing this girl live. Ah, uh, tell us everything in, in the flesh. I just like it, you know you, those performances where at the end you just don't say anything for about four days, mm-hmm. and you're you're just you're just a wreck. Like yeah. my friend, I saw it with my really good friend Roz, and like it, we were both just. You know, we're just like, oh, oh, hi. Like, <laughs> it's like, we both know for a fact that we loved it beyond all recognition. Uh-huh. But we're just so exhausted that we can't speak. Yeah. Um, it was that. It was just that. Um, I, I assume, it could, was it ever broadcast for you guys? The, yes, you can watch it online version? now. Um, Excellent. Yeah, legally like and everyone, everyone go watch it because yeah. this is really... As as a production, we're going beyond Mama Rose now. As a production, this is one of the definitive things to watch. It is stunning. It and it has brought Gypsy into 2016. 2015, yeah. I guess, but Yeah. It's so relevant. Yeah. It's so relevant. Like in terms of just in terms of the acting styles, in terms of technical capacity, mm-hmm. everything. It's so contemporary. Yeah takes all the boxes just yeah. the theater they are knocking out of the park yeah um anyway right let's get to the girl herself so one of my favorite things about uh-huh. imelda is her physicality yeah so you know how we said a bit before with bernie that the she wasn't a big woman she wasn't an ethel Mormon, she was tiny right there's no one tinier than imelda staunton that's true She's teensy and she looks it on the stage. Yeah. But she's got that. She's like a little Yorkshire Terrier. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like she's barky and she's yappy and she has that, 
you know, shaky, oh, oh, little thing. And she's she's got this little this little firecracker that just fizzing mm-hmm. around the stage. Um, and she owns that, and so she doesn't feel small at any stage. She feels constantly terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this tiny little frame. Yeah. So that at the end, uh-huh. she becomes she loses the spark has gone out, and she is just this tiny little woman, uh. and she's there and she's sobbing her fucking heart out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, like, so good. Physicality, masterclass. Yeah. I'm a big fiend for physicality, and that is and it's a, unrivaled. It's a hard role. There's not a lot of uh, innate physicality in Mama Rose. It's a it's yeah, a exactly. stand-and-talk kind of role. It was a role written for Ethel Merman, who, you know, doesn't move. Yeah. Um, Please don't move. Yeah, exactly. And, man, she... Uh, it makes me cry, still. Like, mm-hmm. Rose, her Rose's turn... Mm-hmm. is just absolutely heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. Like her her mom. Yeah. is uh, the single best ever. Yeah. Um like it's it's so interesting that about Rose's turn like we've we've kind of been saying oh they're the best at that song. That's their song. That's their one. Like Rose's turn, I feel like you can dissect that even further and be like, well, who nails this part? Uh-huh. Who nails this part? Who I nails mean, the sexy bit? I think you know I, mean? I think the mama 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 part is maybe one of the most difficult lines in musical uh-huh. theater. Right. So how would if you were a director, Thomas? Yeah. How would you direct that part? Oh, I'd have to um, travel to a new I've planet and find a Jedi master and study for several months to contemplate how to coach an actor on that line. Because <laughs> I... Yeah. Th- so th- they've played it... They have played it lots of different ways. So I think with Bernie, they kind of gave her this sub-storyline of, you know, her mother did the same thing to her. Right. So now she's doing... You know, I mean, they kind of yeah. gave her that. I, um, to steal a phrase from you, I think that's pretty naff. Yeah. It is, it, it is, because it kind of explains, like, I feel like they were like, how do we deal with this line? That's what we'll do. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it a mother thing. Well, it's, we'll make it and outside of the element. story. Like, we'll push it to a world outside yeah, of what you've nothing. seen happen on stage. Uh-huh. And you can't really, like, I'm kind of against doing meta story yeah. in the show. I'm all for if you're doing your own character study. Right. But if there's no evidence for it in the text, yeah. you can't, you can't then make a decision of something you do no on based on that because there's there's nothing to back up you know what i mean there's nothing concrete to back up from the yeah. um the the what was i gonna say uh, right so i think there is an element of that though uh-huh of her realizing well what does this mean this mama thing yeah she's here you know everyone calls her mama it's just she's kind of hearing her kids saying it as well mm-hmm I think there's also just this element, and see if you you see if you play it as um, as Patty did, and playing it in her head. And do you ever do that way? If you're like singing or you're kind of doing a performance, and you kind of zone out. Do you do it when you're recording YouTube videos? I do it a lot when I'm recording YouTube videos, hmm. and I zone out of, and I just stop talking, and I go into this trance, and I suddenly just kind of like it's that it's that moment where you, it's your um vampire to yeah. borrow a phrase and title of show Absolutely. comes into play and starts talking to you and you start listening to it and, and you, you just suddenly it's really get weird because yeah uh, 
and when I'm watching back my YouTube video, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, where have I gone? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you I'm just, like, just like, zone out. You recede behind that cinema screen in your mind and just start thinking to yourself. Exactly. And I feel like that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's how I would that's how I would play it. Um and it's just that moment where and she kind of like, No, I'm breaking back into this thing, but the vampire is now talking to her. Yeah. And being like uh, 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 Yeah, uh, and now uh, we get to hear the vampire and get to hear all that. Exactly. Um that's how I would do it. Yeah. It's a great bit though. Um and Imelda there, there, it's, there are no words. It's indescribable. She knocks it out of the park in every way, with every yeah. line, with every movement, with every song. Nothing is overlooked. Yeah. Like, I really love I really love her some people as well. Yes. <laughs> We're not even mentioned some people yet. But I love, and she can do sexy in a, in a motherly yeah. way. And like in an appropriate way. way. In a way that like fits the character. Yeah, she's beguiling. Yes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? She's not like slutty she's beguiling yeah her in that you know I mean? green dress at the end it's uh-huh. just wonderful really and i'd love to i'd love to speak to the director who directed it mm. excuse me i should know that it was jonathan kent of course with jonathan kent what else um, has he done i don't recognize his name uh, big big west end director okay um he yeah um I would love to know why he, they chose green. Because there's, again... Oh, I know why they chose dress. green. Her hair is... Why did they choose green? Her hair is red. You can't do red. Patty's hair was, like, auburn. Yeah, but not, like, red. But but why green? Why not... Because green looks you know, good with red. Else. People who... People... I think, I think there'd be more of a reason. I'd like to think there'd be more of a reason than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but... I, I bet you it started with her hair is going to be red, and so we're going to put her in green. <laughs> I don't know, because her hair's not that red. It, it's, you should... I mean, I only recently watched it again, and her hair was pretty red in that green dress. Because I, I had the same thought, um, mostly because I had, right before, watched Patty in red. Um, and um, Angela in red, and Bet is in red... And Bernadette's in kind of like blue, blue and purple, uh-huh. if I remember right. I no, I want to know the reasoning. I think there's a re- I think there's a reason because she's wearing purple for half the show. Yeah, you know it, what I mean. Why it's an it's an interesting question. Purple? Color. Uh, I always get teased, but I, we had a whole like three month unit in my lighting design class about color and color theory and the color of and the theory of color as it relates to emotions green is right. a very non-human color green is a very scientific color green is a ve- green is a very natural color green is a uh-huh. green is a color that is not present in light green is a color that um is opulent green is envy obviously um so it could be any number of yeah. things but also all of that is you know low-key bullshit um, no, I, I, yeah, but Loki Lysmith, I'm rereading American Gods. Um, but the it's, I do know what you mean, but I think there probably is an element that I must say I love to buy into stuff like that because it's just it's analytical. Yeah, absolutely. Can, like if you, you know, can find a reason to justify it, by all means. Uh huh. I like the envy one. I wonder if that's got a part of it. That could be. That's very appropriate for that moment. Because that's her reveal. Because the whole thing is, it's like she reveals. Yeah. And it's like the raw, the innards. We are now seeing Rose. seeing her. Envy. Here they are, boys. Yeah. Um. 
and that we're seeing that that's what she's got underneath is it's this like i wish it was me you know what i mean yeah um mm, interesting very interesting beautiful production wonderful production go watch so it Jimmy's going to tell us his favorite first. Oh, yeah. I need to do that. My favorite, if you hadn't already guessed, is Patti LuPone. <laughs> I love, I just love it so much. It was the first one I listened to. It. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's like, yeah. Uh, oh, you, you know, always love your first. first. Yeah. Um, it, it was the first one I listened to, it, but it was just perfect. And like, I'd known a fair amount about Patti before. I'd listened to Sunset Boulevard to death. Yeah. Um, And I was like, you know, there was lots of stupid stuff happening in Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And I say, there was lots of stupid stuff happens in Evita and anything goes. Um, lame is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, she, 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 she makes a lot of choices. Yeah. But here I feel they were all correct. They were all right. For the first time. And, you know, unrivaled. She, she is Mama Rose. Yes. And Elson's also very good. <laughs> what what about you, Mr. T? Uh, Who would you say? It's I'm gonna disappoint internet Denzians everywhere, but I will never be able to pick a favorite. Um, boring. Yeah, I mean, boring. It's and I Pop I had this I I started thinking this through in my mind, but my first way into this was gonna be: Is there a difference between your favorite and the best? Um, Probably, yeah. Which is something I, I think about all the time when i make these kind of videos on youtube like your your uh-huh. favorite you don't need to justify the best you do and they're probably yeah. similar or probably have um because it's, it's in the sense that your favorite mrs lovett is patty lapone when she isn't the best you know it's that. <laughs> but but it is it's yeah. obviously helena bottom carter isn't obviously oh isn't it youtube viewers? man uh, <laughs> yeah leave your comments now expect them to be deleted or responded to snarkily um but like there's with both there's some onus on the justification why do you mm-hmm. feel this way and i mm-hmm. don't think as you know as maybe the listeners have picked up upon i don't think there are the words to justify the differences between these performances they're certainly different there's certainly very distinct differences between all of these performances and yeah. we can find ways to justify them inside their time and argue against them outside their time but there's also something so ethereal and difficult to pin down about this role and the performances of it uh-huh. that i think choosing either a favorite or a best and then finding a suitably satisfying justification for it is impossible yeah yeah very very, like it's very true um but i i did manage to do it just there yes i know this is (laughs) (laughs) subscribe to what's you do you what's your uh as in hendrix at youtube.com for uh well 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 justified videos 
Aber exactly. Was that a slight? <laughs> Did you just make a slight against me? Never. Sir? I would never. I would never. Never. Um, no, I probably would never be that opinionated on YouTube. That's dangerous. <laughs> Although I was, I was quite slating about Carrie Underwood. That's, well, but that's it's fine. Carrie Underwood. Exactly. That's allowed. Yes. Um, and anyway, Miscast is your brand, so I'll never copy you. <laughs> I think you so should do fine. one. I think you should absolutely do no, one. No, it's your brand. I'll maybe do a guest appearance one day if you invite <laughs> me along. Um, you know. But no, it's your it's your thing. I'll let I'll let you have that. <laughs> okay. Um Great. That's Great. the who who's yours? That's yeah. the big question. Let us know on who the do you Let love? us know on the Reddit. Uh, you know, they always say there are three <laughs> things you should never talk about at the dinner table. Politics, yep. the color of your poop. And who you think is the best Mama Rose and Gypsy. Exactly. Because you'll start a fire. Yeah. And we want lots of fire to appear <laughs> on Reddit. Reddit. <laughs> So that was Gypsy. That was Gypsy. Did we do it justice? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I actually, yeah, we'll maybe do a follow-up, even though this is probably five hours long. The, well, we at the end of the six-part episode about Gypsy. Exactly. I'd happily do a Gypsy podcast. I'd okay? happily... Did you hear that Hamilton podcast? <laughs> I'll do a Gypsy podcast. Throw in the shade. No holds bars. <laughs> Sorry if you listen to our podcast and you enjoy it. <laughs> But come on. <laughs> anyway, um, so hey, Tommy, we're sitting beside each other right now. We're not actually. We're not, but, but it, it's time we, travel. In, in in time, yep. while you're listening to this, Tommy and I are breathing each other's air. We are. Jimmy is in the states right now. I'm American. So basically, we want to know everyone. We're not going to do a quiz question this week. We're, we're going to do an other actual things. question. Yeah, just a genuine question. Um, we want to know. We're in New York right now. New York's a, a good, fun place. I hear it's all right. Um, yeah, it's fine. Does the job. What would you like us to do there, yeah. everyone? Um, we. This is like. Did you ever watch Dan Brown? Uh, yes. No reservations. No, that's not him. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, Dan <laughs> Brown. He was like blonde. He was the Rubik's Cube guy. He's not the one back in Vintage YouTube Day. Blonde wore a black T-shirt. The one who wrote the Da Vinci Code. No, yeah, he, he did do that. But I mean, the YouTuber, Dan Brown. No. Oh, okay. He did this thing called Dan 2.0, which is like a failed experiment, uh -huh. where he basically created this algorithm where his subscribers could decide what he did with his entire life. So he just, like, submitted his life to subscribers. Uh -huh. um, so it was so successful, listeners, that we're going to do the exact <laughs> same thing. You can ex exactly what we do, where we go, where we eat, what we... No. Um, but if you if you have, like, things that you want us to do, like, we're going to do some videos together. Yeah. We're obviously going to do some podcast stuff. What do you want to see and hear, guys? Yeah. 
we're we're working for you here. Absolutely. Um, and also, just in the off chance that you're one of those fancy New York types who has some kind of insider connection anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Do you own the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater? Are you a Nederlander? Are you? You know, are you playing Alphabet right now on Broadway? Um, <laughs> get in touch and let us know uh, if you'd like us to do a feature or if you know someone who might be interested in us doing some sort of feature-like thing. Um, or with them. seriously, That's let fun. us know. We want to we yeah. know what to do in New York. We want to know if you have anything you could help us do in New York. That's fun and interesting or exciting. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, drop uh, us a message on Twitter or wherever... Yeah. Or your contact details. The uh, show Twitter is at Jim and Tomic. We can get in touch with both of us. I'm Musical yes, Mash on Twitter and YouTube. And I am Asin Hendrix on Twitter and YouTube. Um, but also drops off on Reddit, drops mm-hmm. an email, however yeah. you. A skywriter. Whatever, Skywriter. Yeah. Send a singing telegram. Um, oh yeah i'll do that that'd be fine yeah uh uh we're we're in new york come just like walk out into the street and yell jim and tomic's musical theater happy hour three times and who knows maybe we'll appear right next to you we will appear in your bathrooms probably as usual uh feel free to drop us a review whatever um absolutely tell your friends all about podcasts and next week you can expect a wonderful new york themed goodness style podcast (gasps) who will we meet and what will we do i mean it's up to you we're also gonna meet each other i know which is pretty exciting exactly so send all your fanfics to at jim and tomic and we'll do one of those like fanfic recreation videos yep (laughs) nope never gonna happen no we really really want to please don't send us fanfic because that's (laughs) not not good um okay well see you next week when we're no longer in new york yeah boring boring stuff. life doesn't exist after that But no, because we've got the podcast to keep us That's going. That's true. It'll be, we'll, right. And we'll be in such a glow from our wonderful trip. Probably, oh, we'll, we're, we will both probably have been cast in shows by then. Let's yeah, I will have wed someone. I will have my green card. And I will be taking up residency in, uh, residency in New York. Yeah. We're, so Stay tuned nice, for the nice, two-man Broadway show, Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour Live. Um, I'm sorry, that writes itself. Yep. Bye. (laughs) Bye. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.